as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. And it is true, Eminem. Thank you very much. It does feel so good to be back. What is up, everybody? It is the Top Pair Podcast. I am your host. It is Eric Weinstein. And yes, that was under 15 seconds of playing a song, so I will not get charged or sued for that. With me, as always, it is my co-host. It is Nick Maxwell, our new Southern correspondent in Charlotte, North Carolina. Nikki, how's it going, buddy? Good man, haven't haven't become a full fledged caniac yet. So, but we got we're getting settled in. Sorry for everybody. My life has kind of taken over in different directions. So that's why we've been kind of MIA for the last month ish. Do you notice how relaxed he sounds? That's that southern that southern change. He's so oh, relaxed. Southern lifestyle. He's so relaxed. And I mean, why couldn't you be relaxed and move down to beautiful? beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina, and to be ready to record to recap the wild NHL trade deadline. But before we do that, I got to see if I can still do this. Uh, we got to go through the housekeeping, where you can find us, because you might have forgotten, because it's been, you know, a month or so. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public Breaker, Spotify, where else? SoundCloud, Audio Boom, other places. I don't know. A lot of places. Anywhere you can get your podcast. Basically, anywhere you can get your podcast, you can find us there. Um, you can find <laughs> we are. Uh, you can find us on the homepage of the A One Sports Network. That is A One Sports Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at A One Sports Network. The podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at Top Pair underscore Pod. That is at Top Pair underscore Pod. Twitter and Instagram. You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Weinstein with two C's and two N's. Nicholas, wrap it up. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at, at Maxwell01 or on Instagram at Nick J. Maxwell. Beautiful, wunderbar, good to be back. All right, so before we get into who we think are the winners and losers of this year's, the 2022 NHL trade deadline, one trade hit a little bit of a snag, and for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, who have, I mean, the past two months haven't really gone their way, and everybody knows they're up against the cap. You know, Mark Stone is on LTIR, Alec Martinez is on LTIR, so they were looking to shed cap and move Evgeny Dadnov to Danov to the Anaheim Ducks. Now, Nick, I read at least four articles on this, and I could not make heads or tails of it, but from what you told me, you kind of know why Evgeny Dadanov, Dadnov, Daddy, is still in Vegas. So, Nick, why don't you give me an idea as to why he's still in Vegas? Because I couldn't make heads or tails of it. I'm laughing at the fact that you just called him Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> called him Daddy. Sorry, um, listeners. Yeah, I mean, I felt so bad about missing the last month that I decided to do a big deep dive into this and... Through a lot of my own research, I've sort of pieced together most of what happened and figured out for myself using uh, clues, gut feeling, positive attitude, and uh, you know, there's a little little bit of magical dust in there. I'll put that too. And thank God for that because I had no idea what I was reading, how it made sense, how it didn't make sense. Thank God for that. <laughs> All right. So basically, to put this into a summary. Everybody knows the Danoff trade to Anaheim was approved by the NHL, um, and it became null and void by the league yesterday. And because of that, Danoff has now been sent back to Vegas. The other pieces have been set back as property of Anaheim. So to start off, this actually goes back to when Danoff signed his three-year contract last year with the Ottawa Senators. Now, when a player signs, when he signed that contract, he was given a modified no-trade clause, which means that he was allowed to submit. 10 teams that he could not be traded to at any, at any point in time. So here's some things that's really important to know about the actual no trade list and how they work. So number one, when a player signs a contract with a no trade list, there's, th- there's a date every single year that you have to submit that list and then resubmit that list. Um, and those three dates were 
January 15th, 2021 for his first season under that contract. And that's a weird date, I know, but that's because of the COVID short year, right? right? For this year, season two, he had to submit that list by July 1st, 2021. So that's an important date to remember as we go forward here. And then for the third year of that deal, he would have to submit it this summer, July 1st, 2022 for season three. For the first year, Anaheim was definitely on that no-trade list. Vegas was not, hence why Ottawa was able to send him to Vegas. No problem, no questions asked, nobody had an issue with it. So another important thing to learn about these no-trade lists, it is not on the team to a ask for the no-trade list, to receive the no-trade list. Everything about putting the no-trade list together and submitting it to the team falls onto the player slash agent's job. And they have to submit that by the deadline. Okay, so real they, quick. So if the Dadnov just never gave his no-trade list, then they could say, well, you never gave it to us. We're sending you wherever we want. Correct. So okay. if a player fails to meet that deadline, their trade protection is null and void. He can be moved anywhere at any time as long as the numbers and dollars and all that regular contract language adds up. Now, again, it's not on the teams to ask somebody for their no-trade list unless they're moving them within a certain date earlier than the summer prior to the year. Um, but really, teams have no interest in doing so because they want that full freedom to ask every single one of the 31 other teams for trade options, right? So the only way this trade was the only way this trade could have went through are a the Donoff gave the trade list, um, Anaheim was on it. Anaheim wasn't on it. Um, he gave written permission despite him adding on, on the list. And then he said that, okay, yeah, you can send me there anyway. Or that he forgot to send him the list, right? So it, basically his no trade list was basically null and voided. So there's basically three options the way that that comes down to. Oh, So as it turns out from what I pieced together from both Elliot Freeman and Frank Cervelli, Dodonov submitted his trade list on June 30th, 2021, meaning he did hit that deadline, right? And there's now been a record of that list that was held originally by the Senators. And he was traded about four weeks later after that. So what does that all mean? It means that basically I have two really hardcore guesses on this. So number one, somewhere along the line, Maybe because Vegas didn't copy get a copy of the list because it's really important to note that those 10 teams aren't actually built into a contract. It is a separate document submitted by the player or his agent, right? right? So maybe Vegas didn't get a copy of that list. Or the other thing that's really important to remember is that players <clears throat> who are traded used to not be able to take the 10 teams with them. But under the new CBA, which was done during the bubble, right? players now were allowed to take that 10-team list with them when they were traded once before. So basically, like, the 10-team trade list only protected you once from being traded. It didn't protect you a second, third time. Now it protects you every single year that you have that contract in there. So circling back, um, somewhere along the line, maybe Vegas didn't get a copy of that list, or maybe they didn't remember the new rules according to the CBA um, that the Donovs trade protection, they thought it probably expired, right? Um, or two, they were expecting the Donoff to file an updated trade list in case he wanted to include Ottawa on the no trade list. And when they never got a copy, they were fine with his protection expiring. Because again, a team has no incentive to remind you to file that. They yeah, want you up, to have as many options as it's possible. It's up to them. Yeah, they don't want to say don't trade me here because then you know they lose leverage. You know they can't make a better hockey trade. Whatever it is, so they obviously yep. they don't care if you don't send it in. Yep. So now this takes us to Central Registry. Central Registry is the division of the NHL that has to approve all trades that go through. Um, you probably heard on Trade Deadline Day it talks about the amount of trades that were in the queue. Yeah, That's because there's only so many people at Central Registry, and they have to go through everything, cross every T, dot every I. And as you can imagine, they're a bunch of lawyers, so they are probably anal as hell when they're doing these trade, de when they're doing these trade deadline deals, trying to make sure everything was null and void. So here's where we get into the failure of the NHL. Because <laughs> you knew it was coming. Yep. <laughs> Even though Central Registry has to have approval over all of these trades, they don't have direct access to the clauses in these contracts, i.e. they don't have access to the trade lists. 
they can only bring it up on the call of saying, hey, this team has no trade list. You know, is there going to be a problem here, basically? That's just their due diligence that they have to bring up and talk talk to. Now, the no trade list stays strictly between player, agent, and general manager. Nobody else sees it. And I have a feeling that's going to have to change going forward after this whole debacle. It, it has to change. Yeah. has to. But I think, I think a lot of agents and players like having as few people know about it as possible because the less people that know, the less of a chance it is to leak. Right. right? I don't think a lot of Toronto – I don't think a lot of Canadian-born players want it to be known that they don't want to play in Canada because of the media hype, the attacks on social media, all of that stuff. All the um, stuff we and, know about Canadians yeah. playing in Canadian markets. Right. Yep. So when hockey re- – when the central registry – doesn't have direct access to the clauses and the contracts. They just say, they just say, hey, is this going to be a problem? Somebody on that phone call dropped the ball and they said, yep, we're not going to have a problem here. Because again, Vegas either thought the clause expired, they thought, you know, he didn't have, they thought it null and voided when he got traded the first time. They thought he was late for submitting his OLS, whatever it is. Again, it's one of the, that's the three main things that this comes down to. And then the problem with this whole thing is that by the time they get the deal done with Central Registry, because again, remember, the NHL approved this deal. NHL and the Vegas Golden Knights both approved this deal to happen. Right? It didn't it wasn't until the Donoff or his agent basically said, What do you mean you traded me to Anaheim? I had they're on my no trade list. Right. And that and that's, that's where this nag. Yep, that's and where we that's when snag. shit hit kinda hit the fan. Um so after that whole thing, Central Registry had to, there was a bunch of, you know, handing around of where is this no trade list? If it does exist, are we sure this was submitted on time? Are we sure uh, Anaheim is, is on it? I'm so, just thinking of the verbal, this verbal meme. I'm just thinking of the episode of SpongeBob where they throw out his name in his brain and all the SpongeBobs are like, the place goes on fire and they scream, we threw out his name because they can't find it. <laughs> Verbal meme. That's what I was thinking of. Okay, continue. So it, it, <laughs> it took, from what it sounds like from Frank Cervelli, and again, I don't know who his sources are, but it sounded like it wasn't until they found some old email that <laughs> they were able to recover the list. In their spam. They found that Anaheim was indeed on the no trade list. It was in their spam. Um, yeah. So <laughs> basically... You talk about well, – you've heard stories about fax machines and like, <laughs> you know, internet breaking down as to why trade – basically a lost paper was the whole reason that Dodonov could not get traded on that day. And now he has since been sat back. So, I mean, where do they go from here? Um, there is a rule in the NHL that you can, in fact, trade a player um, – after the deadline, but they are immediately ineligible for the rest of the season. I saw a lot of people on Twitter go, floating around that he's only he would only be ineligible for the playoffs. That's not true at all. That's not true at all. The player would only the player would become immediately ineligible for the rest of the season. So if you're Dodonov, who has been the one that's got completely screwed over in this situation, completely, you really have two choices. Completely screwed over here. You you can go back to Vegas, look everybody in the face who tried to trade you, and say, all right, like let's try and make this work. You could um, accept a trade to a place like Arizona, where they have no state income tax, I believe, and then just kind of chill back in Russia while you collect five and a half million. Um, Not the worst idea. Could, yeah, or you could just go sit out someplace. I don't know. Um, it's it's it really just all depends. So again, there's so much of this that needs to be changed. I still don't understand if Central Registry is in charge of doing all of this contract work and all these trade talks and has to be responsible for looking over everything to make sure every clause is hit and held properly, why they can't have a simple no 10-team list of no trades. Um, you know, like, just make your own version of cap-friendly. Like, to me, like, that's the most simple solution, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's... It, you feel horrible for this situation, but you just hope a lot of changes comes out of it. Elliot Freeman was actually talking today that this isn't the first time this has happened. He mentioned that when Patrick Berglund was included in the Ryan O'Reilly deal going back to Buffalo, he forgot to submit his no-trade list by the deadline date, and so his modified trade clause was unprotected. So, again, it's one of those things that's there to protect you as a player, but you as a player need to remember to do it because the team is not going to help you at all in that situation. Right, Uh, but what would happen is something very hysterical is that then the Vegas Golden Knights social media team 
have to let out this gem of a tweet after all this garbage happened. The Vegas Golden Knights recognize the league's decision and welcome Evgeny back to our club. Hashtag Vegas born. That is just the icing on this shit cake of all this stuff that happened to Evgeny Dadnov. I love the recognize the decision. It means like we're not happy with the decision. We just, we see that they made a decision. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it happened. Yeah. Whatever. You know, like we're not, it's not great, but like, yeah, you can still wear our jersey, I guess. Like it's, it's so bad. If I'm, if I'm him, I'm like, send me like to a state with no income, state income tax, send me there right now so I can collect a paycheck and you're retaining all the salary because I hate you. That's basically what you gotta, he would, you'd think he would want. Yeah. But especially, especially he's gotta be looking at this. Like we're a really banged up team. Every single game is important, especially even the guys that aren't even on this now. And they, if they have to see him again, it's like, so this guy just tried to get traded. He's probably pissed. We're banged up as hell. We can't score a goal. We can't prevent goals. And we're fighting for our playoff lives. And then management just kind of throws this nice little shit bomb at us during yeah. the, during this part of the season. I just think of the family guy skit. We're like, all right, welcome back. But we're cool, right? <laughs> like, it's like, no, we're not. You just like um, ruined my life, basically. Pay me. That's basically how it went. So – I know we're going to be doing the winners and losers of the trade deadline. I think we can vehemently say, like that word, vehemently say that the Vegas Golden Knights were losers of trade deadline day for this just shit sandwich with cheese that they decided to give him getting that off. It's just, it's, it's honestly embar- like, what an I embarrassment, just, like so embarrassing. I, and it's just like, I never, I never understood like, how are you like as like even if you don't have the no team team trade list like you're not doing more self investigating on like why you don't have the list or like why didn't they copy a thing over for the list I don't know there's just this it, just seems so weird yeah. like I wonder if this was something where like they were just like all right whatever fuck it like let's just see if we can just do this quickly without anybody noticing yeah maybe and nobody will know got fucking caught yeah it's like good try but no. Um, okay, so that was the Evgeny Dadanov shit sandwich that the league was fed. Um, I mean, the point if anybody, guy, if anybody, if, any, if I made any of that unclear, or if anybody has more questions about it, don't be afraid to tweet at us. Yes, um, do that. I will. I will try to answer any clarity, clarification questions as best as I can. Again, I'm. There was things that I learned about the CBA while doing this and investigating this, but I think it was. I think a very strong message just got sent to the rest of the league about doing your due diligence with these contracts. Yeah, I think so. And I'm definitely going to be one of the people who are asking questions about this when I listen to this again in my car. Um, Okay, so moving on, let's go to the winners and losers of the trade deadline. Nick, I figured we could do it this way. I'll give a winner. You'll give a winner. And then we'll just do our winners. And then I feel like we're going to agree. We typically do, unfortunately. Um, and then we'll give our losers, um, I'll try to get, you know, three of each. Um, but my first winner of trade deadline day, and I hate to say it, is the New York Rangers. Because all the questions surrounding the Rangers were there, oh, they're a two-line team, oh, they need, they, you know, they, their bottom six needs work, their defense needs work. They kind of... Sh- you know, did everything they really needed to do. They kind of, you know, checked all those boxes. They bring in Andrew Kopp from Winnipeg. They send Morgan Barron, who it just wasn't really working out with him and Gerard Gallant here. Um, a conditional second-round pick that turns to a first if Kopp plays 50% of the games and through two playoff rounds. Um, they also brought in Tyler Mott. They sent a, believe, a fourth-round pick. I'm scrolling through trying to find it. They sent a fourth-round pick to Vancouver to bring in Tyler Mott. He's going to play right at, slot right into that fourth line. And then they traded a third-round pick in 2023 to the Flyers for Justin Braun, who is going to slot right into that third defensive pair, just steady as they come defenseman. He's played in a million playoff games. So, Nick, I think that the New York Rangers, they realize they have all this cap space. They realize they're ahead of schedule. They're having a career year from their now franchise goalie, career year from Chris Kreider. He's got over 40 goals. 
You know, they think that if Shesterkin gets hot, they can win a couple rounds, maybe even win the East. And I think with these moves, these are playoff going for it type moves to bring in a guy like Cop and Mott. You know, guys with some, they're bringing Mott who's got some nasty in his game. Cop shores up the bottom six. He's playing with Panarin right now, which can't be the plan. They also brought in Frank Vitrano, so I like all the moves they made. Yeah, I think Cop is one of the most personal players in the league. I think you can play him in that second or third line role or second through fourth line role, however you want. Excellent penalty killer. Um, has shown some more scoring touch this year. I think he's a UFA at the end of this year, but I can't remember. He but, is, yeah. Um, but I think I think that's a fantastic deadline move. I think every GM was inquiring on him. Uh, so I can't really argue much with you there. But for my winner, I'm going with the guy who caught the biggest fish, and that was Billy Garen in the Minnesota Wild. Oh, yeah. I think, I think he had probably the best day getting the rating best <clears throat> trophy winner you know i really like the way this team is built and to me they re- he really solidified owning it really pushed forward of the whole like this is who we are we are big we are physical we are nasty and we are aggressive like that's going to be the way that we play and i think also probably the one of the more underrated trades of the day i think was getting jacob middleton for capo cockin which I think that trade could end up working out well for San Jose too. Like I maybe that's the goalie of the future that you've been looking for for what feels like 15 years since they lost um, Miami. I mean, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> just to get Flurry to wave, there's no trade clause to come there. When I think a lot of people were wondering about, you know, a Pittsburgh reunion and stuff like that, um, I just think this team is that was the type of move where they really needed to make. I think they have a really good deep core. Um, we saw last year when they gave Vegas a ton of fits in the playoffs. They have two lines that can score with anybody. They have one of the best defensive centers in the league in Joel Erickson Eck. Um, I love the way Greenway and Felino play off each other, and I really also like the Nick Delorier move. I think he's an energy guy. He can help their power play a little bit, so or penalty kill a little bit, excuse yep. me. So can Nico Sturm. Um, but he's just, you know, they are going to get screwed over the next couple of years with with the buyouts of Parise and Suter. So, I mean, I don't know if this is like a one-and-done shot, but it kind of feels like that to you, doesn't it? So I'm happy for, I'm happy for this team. I think hockey is better when Minnesota is in it because it's just they're the state of hockey for a reason. Um, but uh, I just think this team is going to be in a tough Western Conference. In a tough Western Conference, the team has really solidified itself as a major player in it. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. And Billy G, he knows that. Like you said, those those gigantic hits are coming with the Parisian suitor contract. So he's kind of got to kind of got to go for it this year. I love the moves. I love it bringing in Flower. I mean, it's it's perfect perfect deadline day in my opinion for the Minnesota Wild. Um, moving right along, I guess we'll go to my second winner. Um, now you said that the biggest fish was Mark Andre Fleury. I think the biggest fish actually ended up going down south to Florida because the Florida Panthers are my second winner because they bring in Mr. Claude Giroux, the Flyers' former captain. They bring him in. They bring in some depth with Robert Haig. Why Why can't I figure think who else? They, they brought in Ben Sherratt from Montreal for a nice price. I mean, first-round pick in 23, Ty Smilanich. Who's playing at Quinnipiac right now? Um, the Panthers are going for it. I mean, they had to—they lost Frank Vitrano to kind of make room for everything. But I think these again—it's more playoff type moves. The the Panthers—I think they went from being you know a Stanley Cup contender to now the Stanley Cup favorite, bringing in Claude Giroux. I think he's that big of a game changer. You know how great he is, obviously. You know, he's played in a million big games with the Flyers. You know, he made it to a Stanley Cup final back in 2010. You know, I think he's going to be an excellent voice in that room. He's going to he's gonna play next to Alex Barkov, for crying out loud. Like, just it's skill on skill. It just solidifies the top six as maybe the scariest in the league, depending on how you feel about Colorado. I'd love the Florida Panthers. I'd bet on them to win the Stanley Cup as soon as they made that trade. Florida Panthers, my biggest winner of the day. I like that move. I think 
I think the Sherratt deal was really important for them. Right. Because it solidifies I mean, everything. We, we talked a little bit about it earlier. Like, we don't know what the status of Ekblad's going to be and how much it's going to affect the team, but that certainly lessens the dent of losing a guy like that. He's going to eat up a ton of minutes. He's going to eat a ton of pucks. He's got a solid shot from the point. So, you don't need your back end to score when you're as loaded as they are up front. You don't need it. You just need to worry about keeping the pucks out of your own net and out of your own end. So, I like that a lot. Yeah, loved it. I mean, Sherratt. He's, you know, he's as solid as it gets, but I mean, I, I'm, I worry about my wallet worries about the Aaron Ekblad possibility, um, of him missing a lot of time and then just throw him right back into playoff games. But I just, I think they're so strong up front that I don't really think it's going to, it's going to hurt too badly, but man, to bring in a guy like Claude Giroux, it really lessens the blow of, you know, pretty much everything. All right, so my second winner is going to be a team that you might be surprised by. Um, I'm going to go with the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, yeah, you are. I was very interested to see what Kent Hughes was going to do. First-time GM. Yes, he has uh, Gordon there as his president of Hockey Ops, but I was very interested to see what it was going to look like because, hey, it's easy to be the team selling you know assets when you're not in going anywhere in the deadline and you're just trying to collect but i think he did a fantastic job with some of the hauls that he got um you know you you flip ben Sherat and brett kulak <coughs> with and then arturio lekkonen and then now you have two first round picks this year you have two first round picks next year you have um i think they have six 10 picks in the first four rounds of this year's draft. So, I mean, you talk about a team who's going to, you need to build and reload like that to me is really impressive. And then also I think a part of the Colorado deal, getting Justin Barron, who I think is easily going to be a top four defenseman in this league, if not a really, um, really impressive top pairing guy as well. So I, I like the way that he did it. I think he was kind of, I think Montreal is pretty quiet. I don't think people, I don't think people expected them, weren't really looking at them because of the position that they're in in the standings, but I I love the haul that he got in return for some of these guys. Um, I think to me, like, Ken Hughes certainly passed the smell test for me. Yeah, I agree. And there's there's some money coming off the books. You know, there there's a couple UFAs here that, you know, they can kind of just, they're going to have a ton of cap space. There's a ton of young guys here. You know, I, I love what the Canadians did. Like you said, it's easy to quote-unquote sell. Just say, hey, give me this, and you can have this guy. You know, they made smart moves for the future. Like I said, the 10 picks in, you know, the next couple of years, I mean, the two firsts this year, two firsts next year, I mean, they're maybe they're late-round picks, maybe they're not, but I think they did They did a fantastic job kind of selling everything off. So shout-out to the Canadians. Shout-out to Marty Saint-Louis, my favorite player, the new head coach. Well, not the new head coach, but the head coach. You know, love that. I thought they did a great job. Um my third winner, my third trade deadline winner, the Avalanche of Colorado, because of course they basically did everything to sh- to shore up the death the depth. Um, they bring in Nico Sturm. They kind of made a hockey swap for him for Tyson Jost. Um, that's a big boy, Nico Sturm. So it's good to have you know a little little bite, six three, two hundred five pounds, big boy. Give you a little sandpaper. Um, then, because, you know, Sam Gerard, he's on, he's on injured reserve. He might be back. I don't even know, but, you know, they needed to get some depth. Um, they bring in Josh Manson. What a great pickup for the one year. Um, Anaheim is picking up some of that salary. You know, I loved that move so much. They bring in Andrew Cogliano, just a veteran, a grizzled vet, help out on the penalty kill. I love what they did. They just make everything they kind of just tighten up the screws a little bit to go for that cup run. I think they are, for me, they're my second favorite to win the Stanley Cup behind the Florida Panthers. We could get a rematch of the, not what is it, 96 Cup, Nikki? The 96 Cup! Ah, uh, yes. What a year that was. What a we year. I need to bring up Arturi Lekkinen. That's why I forgot. I think that guy is so solid. Um, another guy who's just going to, you know, shore up any loose ends, tie up any loose ends. You know, he'll help while they're waiting for Landeskog to get back, who, by the way, isn't playing right now, and they're still rolling along like, you know, everything's fine. I love the moves. I think Lekkanen is a great pickup. Go abs, go, baby. 
All right, so my final winner is going to be another team that's in the kind of a quote-unquote rebuild mode. I'm going to go with the Seattle Kraken. The Kraken. Um, what, what did you say? The Kraken. <laughs> so my mom says I, it. I honestly think this is the best Ron Francis has done to help build his team, and that includes the, the expansion yeah, draft. Yeah, after he fucked <laughs> up the expansion draft. Yeah, because so looking to back at that now, I mean, you really <laughs> screwed up the expansion draft. Um. But I think over, not just not even on deadline day, just the last few weeks he's done a really good job of kind of getting some, doing some quality work and getting some assets back for, for Seattle. Um, six players that either didn't really match contention timeline kind of failed to carve out like an indisputable function. Like, he had, I think he had like five or six different deals going. So um, a huge selection of picks back, including four seconds and two-thirds they have um, going into next year. So, again, you're talking about you know, you can easily trade those up, um, trade those up in the draft to find another proven commodity that you want. Trade it up to move up in the draft to find a prospect you like, or again, turn around and trade them for a really cash strapped team and get a proven commodity with you. So, um, I think he finally did the best of best that he's done as GM of really building that foundation there. So, I just I hope they do amateur drafts a lot better than expansion drafts. Yeah, they. I mean. Maybeniers is coming, so I do think the help it, is on the way. But. It's hard not to do, yeah. do worse than the expansion draft. So just going to give you a couple more moves here. Um, Pittsburgh Penguins, they acquired Ricard Raquel for Dominic Simone, Zach Aston Reese, Callie Klang, which is a great hockey name, and a second-round pick from Pittsburgh. The Oilers acquired Brett Kulak and Derek Broussard in separate trades. Uh, Vlad Nemesnikov went to the Stars for fourth-round pick. Ryan Carpenter went to the Flames for a fifth-round pick in 2024. Uh, we mentioned Tyler Mott. Uh, Max Domi, one we didn't we didn't bring up. Uh, he went to the Carolina Hurricanes for Adrian Hrishik. I think that's how you say yeah, it. Yeah, a three-team deal, right? Yeah, a three-team deal. Florida's taking some of that money. They got a sixth-round pick in return. Um, yeah, just some other you know other trades to throw around. Um, Zach Sanford went to the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know how exciting that is. It's really not. Um, biggest move of the day, Riley Nash, um, for future considerations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Marcus Johansson and Johan Larson went to the Capitals. Uh, Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar, was traded to the Devils. Um, Can't believe that guy's still around. Um, Oscar Sundquist and Jake Wallman, who is playing tonight against the Islanders, um, went to the Red Wings for Luke Witkowski and Nick Letty, which I thought was a very nice pickup for the Blues. We know I'm a big Nick Letty guy. I only watched him for like a million years, so glad to see he's going to get another run at the Cup. Um, Alex Biego went to the Predators for nothing, and Capo Kakinen went to the San Jose Sharks, which we talked about. So, Nikki, I'm going to give you – let's go with two losers. Who would you say are your losers of the trade deadline? Um, it's always harder to pick a loser. Well, I mean, it's tough because, all right, so my first loser, again, I have a theme going of teams that are in rebuild, but uh, I don't know which Pierre decided that they were going to do this, but if you're the Sens, why are you trading Nick Paul? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> like, that was, I'm gonna, I'll call that questionable at best. I no and idea. Then, no idea. And then the whole Travis Hamanick, you know, you send a third round pick to acquire Travis Hamanick, like that had Pierre Maguire written all over it. That had Pierre Maguire just written all over it. Um, given that he was available earlier in the season, basically for free, uh, I just like, I mean, I liked Travis Hamanick a long time ago, but his game is just not the same that it was. It's not. It's not um, even close. Coming from a guy who used to watch him all the time and loved him, seeing his game is kind of like gone to shit yeah he's like he's a shell of himself and then they ship out another guy that they recently required in zach sanford it's like he's played 60 games for your team how can you honestly give that guy a fair assessment so it's just it it was just so weird it's like what are you doing with any of these moves like it always it almost feel like it feels like they already fired pierre dorian and they hired pierre mcguire to take over yeah, and we've been putting we've been, a stamp on his team. And we've been so like complimentary of the Senators the past couple of years. Yeah. And these moves just like don't make sense. But yeah. like I guess in the long run they they must feel like they're like minor moves, maybe like cap maybe shaving move uh cap shaving moves. 
Um, like oh, they sent yeah. jo- they sent Josh Brown to the Bruins for Zach Senishin, who I don't know. He has to play five games, or that pick, that conditional pick, turns to a sixth round pick. So that shows you how much they think of Zach Senishin. Um, yeah, I just they, they just, the Sens they just didn't really like do anything. I had my loser is the Chicago Blackhawks, or one of them. Yeah, they they make the move. They get the the pick for on Mark Andre Fleury. Great. Why did they get rid of Brandon Hagel? Can you explain that to me? If they're, uh, yeah, if they're going a through a rebuild, question. they're rebuilding, right? Why are you trade? He's twenty three years old. He's cheap for like I think another year, and you give him to the Lightning for Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk. Fine. Um, you get two top 10 protected picks, so you're going to get both those picks. But are you hoping you get somebody better than him with those two picks? Like, do you trust yourself to get somebody better than Brandon Hagel, who was playing very well for them? I just, like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe it's because I'm mad that the Lightning got him, but I just, I, I don't get it. I might just be mad. Yeah, no, I get that completely. It's, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I didn't choose them because I love the whole Kyle Davidson, Kyle Dubas fight that he Well, started. I mean, that's great. I mean, that's... So, that's, like, that that to me, I was like, yeah, I guess I won't make him a loser for that. But, yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said. Okay, thanks. Um, Alright, I'm going to go with the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, God. My next loser. They were mine, too. Um, so, I'll let you take the reins on this one. There's so many contracts and so many cheap pieces they could have moved out. And this is a team that needs to aggressively change their roster over. And I'm talking about, you know, Nick Patan, Alex Chason, Brad Richardson. I mean, who knows what they would have even gotten for Brock Besser. You know what I mean? Like, if, if this is a team that really needs to start getting younger, and I mean younger now. Um, Immediately, yes. Yeah. And this also goes back. I mean, the OEL trade has not worked out. Um, Connor Garland's name has been floated around as an as somebody that they're going to move out now. So it already sounds like they're trying to undo um, the the fuckery that was. Uh, who was their last GM? I'm blanking Benning. out his name right now. Benning. What? Jim Benning. Benning. Yes, they're trying to undo everything that Benning did in like his last stand to save his job. So I mean, I, I expected Jim Rutherford to be more aggressive. And maybe that's because he's not technically GM, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's like he's not GM in name, but like GM being a GM. And especially like, you know, they only have like a regular amount of picks minus their second rounder this year. So to me, I would have thought they would have been more aggressive to acquire a couple of different assets, maybe a fourth and a fifth for some of these guys. So it's just, I don't know. I wasn't, I thought they were going to be more big time sellers at the deadline because of all the guys I'm seeing on their roster, Tyler and Mott probably not have been the guy that I would have moved out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough when you say, yeah, that Oliver ekman Larson trade didn't really work out, and he's got six years left on his deal at 7.2. I mean, that trade was bad when they made it. I mean, sure, they got Connor Garland too, but, like, is Connor Garland that good that you're going to take all that money on for a guy who's, like, not good anymore? I mean... That was the the last act of a desperate man to try to keep his job. But my word, was that not the move to make? Like, all evidence showed that as soon as ink was dry on Ekman Larson's contract, he's like, done. Yep. There's six years left on that deal. They're going to have to eventually buy him out because he's like terrible now. Like, every metric is like, he's bad. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not even the metric. I mean, just watching him from the eye test. Yeah, eye test like, is it's just eye test it's ain't pretty. Like two steps slower than he used to be, and he just—he's not even confident with the puck on his stick anymore. Like it's just, and then on top of that, like somebody like Michael Furland is just never healthy. I don't know if that guy just has like a disease or is it just that unlucky, but like never healthy, never healthy. It's a shame. So it's just, I just expect them to be a lot more aggressive to turn this roster over. I thought this was going to be a big opportunity for them. They just. They just, they just didn't do anything. Don't worry. They're also paying Braden Holtby $2 million to not pay for play for them next year. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, it can't be this hard. 
It can't be. Well, I guess that's why the guy doesn't have his job anymore. Okay. Um, so, yeah, those are – we had the same loser. Those are the only two losers I had. Um, was there anybody else's um, deadline day that you hated, or was it just uh, just those two? Um, I'll throw Carolina in there. I really did not – I mean, I was waiting for them to make a big splash, and Don Waddell was one of his biggest splashes, but I, I didn't like the Domi deal at all. I don't – I don't, I don't get I'm, it. I've given up on Max Domi. I don't, I don't understand it. what people see in this anymore. Um you know, <laughs> I just think they could have added somebody with a bigger impact. I mean, maybe Claude Drew wouldn't have rated, waived his no trade clause to go there, but maybe not. I don't know if they asked or not, but it's just, I don't know. It just, it just seems like, it just seems like they're still a depth piece away from being serious contenders uh, for the cup. Yeah, I just, I don't get the the Max Domi. The scoring isn't there anymore. I mean. He had he's to, gonna play. He's gonna play on your third or fourth line anyway. Like, in, the, in which case, if you're gonna make a move for a depth forward, get somebody like Cop, who right. is certainly gonna help your penalty kill at least. Even Tyler Mott, like somebody yeah, like that, yeah. like Deloria, just something. I, I, especially like with with Domi's personality and with Rob Brendamore's personality, that to me is just a powder keg waiting to go off. Yeah, I mean, it's if if Domi and John Tortorella didn't exactly, you know. To put it lightly, see eye to eye. You think somebody who's a, a legitimate crazy person like Rod Brindamore, they're going to get together and be yeah. like, yeah, this is going to work out great. Yeah. I don't so, think so. Especially, like, I don't really know how I feel. Like, to me, it, they would have just better off not making a move because, I mean, you already don't have your first round pick as a part of the offer sheet. Like, I don't know. But yeah, we can get to that, giving too. Them, giving them more assets to me just didn't, didn't really make a ton of sense, but. Whatever. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Maybe he'll have like a Tony D'Angelo type of renaissance there. Who knows? I mean, that's, that's also a lot of personalities. Now that I'm thinking about it in that locker room. Yeah, Tony D. He's he's known to you know keep the room uh, even keeled. Um, well, why, since you brought it up, why don't we just bring up uh, Yasperi Kotkaniemi, who the uh, the who the Hurricanes? I don't know. Why I could think of that. The Hurricanes offer sheeted. Um, they signed him to an eight-year extension. An eight-year extension worth $38.5 million. Uh, it's a $4.82 million cap hit. I, I don't get it. God, if this guy just doesn't turn into what you think he's going to be, you're paying this guy almost five million dollars to be like a disappointment. Well, remember though, that's actually down from what he's actually making this year, right? Because his offer sheet was six point one million this year. So I gotta tell you, <laughs> I like like renegotiated deal for the Kings. Let me ask you a question. I I need you to answer me this. At what point do you get over it that they offer sheeted Sebastian Aho? At yeah. what point do you just get over it? I mean, if you're if you're if you're in Montreal, you have to just draft both those picks. That's the ultimate way to shove it up there. Yeah, like, what. guess what, guys? Get over it. Because now you're, if this guy's bad, you're stuck with him. Yeah. For a decade. Yeah. <laughs> like, but... And, I mean, look, at if you're Montreal, right, you have to be honest with yourselves. You screwed up his development, right? Terribly. He played three great preseason games, and you were like, well, he's our starting first-line center now. He's got to be. He's got to stay. Even after... Even after the 15 games where you still could have sent him back to junior or down the AHL, you decided that, nope, he is staying here because we think he can take his lumps. And then he ended up scoring, I think it was three or four goals that year. So, And then after that, they've been moving him around back and forth between center and wing, center and wing. Can you play with Suzuki? Does Suzuki, can Suzuki play with him? Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, I don't... <laughs> what, did, what did you guys expect? Like, I think Kakaniemi has gotten a little bit of unfair criticism. A little bit. Not. I'm not saying he shouldn't be escaping criticism, but like 4.8 million um, for a guy who's probably going to be second line center in a few years after Jordan Stahl moves on and retires. Um, I, you know, I think he can do well there. I think he'll be a 40 point player. But right now he's stuck in the bottom six minutes. I think he plays second unit power play. So it's just again, it's just a lot of time. They have a lot of good players on their team. Seth Jarvis is a stud, and he's actually been better than what I've hoped for. 
Um, Tevo Teravainen has been awesome. We know about Chef so awesome. off and Ajo. So there's just there's only so many minutes to go around in one hockey game. Um, again, I, I don't think he's ever going to be. He's not ever going to be a thirty goal scorer. I think the way Montreal fans envisioned him. But I think at four point eight million, you can still be a really solid contributor. And again, the cap is going to go up eventually. And I think that contract won't really look that bad in another two years. I think if it, I think if it went up from six point one, then I would be asking a lot of questions to a lot of people. Okay, all right. You're you're more of the glass half full. I'm I'm cynical. Plus, I don't like the hurricanes. Um. All right. So that pretty much wraps up our trade deadline. I'm gonna go with a new segment this week. We're gonna go with Eric's best bets for the weekend. Let me just pull everything up. If you'll excuse me for one moment. Good radio, good radio. All right, we're going to go Saturday. My best bet. You're actually, your your national game of the week on ABC at 3 p.m., Blackhawks Golden Knights. I got to say, I'm definitely taking the over in that game. And I think I like Blackhawks Moneyline. Vegas is reeling right now. And like we talked about, the whole, you know, Evgeny Dadanov drama is hanging over their heads. You know, they've been struggling. You know, it, it hasn't been as good as everybody thought. I just, I like Chicago to go in there and not, not wipe the floor with them, but kind of get into like a track meet with them. You know, it's going to be high scoring because, you know, Chicago's not playing any defense. It's going to be high scoring, and I like the over, and I like Chicago in that game. I thought I like that pick by you because I like that thought process. I think Vegas is in its own head right now. I think they're so frustrated that they can't eke out a win anywhere. Um, I mean, I think Kane and Taze right now might be playing for an audition for a new team, so oh. I fully expect them to have big second half of the year or big oh. closeouts to the year. Oh, honey, I think they are. <laughs> They're, they're, they're saying all the right things. They're saying all the, oh, it would be an honor to be a Blackhawk for life. Oh, it would be this. Oh, it would be that. Because what do you really want them to say? But Would it really be an honor to be a Blackhawk for life? I mean, really after everything that's kind of gone on, <laughs> would it really be on? I, I don't think so. Listen, every organization has its black days, or dark ages or whatever. Black ages. That's, I think that's what I should say. Black ages? You mean? Yeah, dark ages. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know. know. The guess Chicago. you slept. Guess you slept through that history class with the dark ages, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you and me and my water bottle full of vodka. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's good. Yeah. Well, <sighs> what else you got? Okay, so I'm gonna go. I gave you my best bet game for the weekend. Now I'm gonna go with my best bet to win the Stanley Cup. And at plus six hundred. I don't think there's better odds you can get after this is after obviously, you know, the Claude Giroux trade and everything that Florida did. So I got them at plus 1100. Shout out to me. But I think plus 600 to win the Stanley Cup is are amazing, amazing odds. And a sleeper here, the Rangers are plus 2000 to win the Stanley Cup. I think that is excellent value after the moves that the Rangers made, I love plus 2,000 for them. It, I'm wearing an Islander jersey right now, and it breaks my heart to say it. But you got to put personal feelings aside when money's involved. That's why I draft like all the terrible people in fantasy sports. Because you got to put morals to the side. you got to put what you love aside when money's involved. Rangers plus 2,000 to win the cup, I love. Florida Panthers at plus 600, I really love. But I really loved it at plus eleven hundred when I bet it a couple weeks ago. So shout out to me. <laughs> <laughs> Those odds are by uh, Caesar Sportsbook, by the way. No free ads. I can't afford to pay JB Smooth to be in my commercials. So um, yeah, Caesar Sportsbook. That's where you'll see those odds. Big Caesar's guy. I like. You know what it is? I like the icon on the app. It's like the. It's the whole. It's literally the holy grail. Which are two different, complete time periods. Yeah, like I was just gonna ancient say, I don't know Rome how they're really and Caesar, the whole, okay. and, yeah, ancient Rome and the King Arthur are, are not the same. Like a knife through like a dollar or something. Like a chalice, I guess is a chalice. Is that like a fancy yeah. cup? A goblet? Whatever it is, love the icon, love the app. Very user friendly. 
Um, yeah, Caesar Sportsbook. Um, you will see those odds there. I love the Blackhawks on Saturday. I'll be watching that game. Probably won't be. be probably won't be. Tweet, be I won't be because it's the Elite Eight, but whatever. <laughs> I'll probably watch it. I would love to put you on like a hot seat type thing where we just film you watching a game. Oh, like I the, feel like if either of our teams chair? were in the playoff, like that would be the thing to do. Well, I should have done it last year. I mean, yeah. but what are you gonna do? I was already, I was too high strung. It would have been good, <laughs> especially against when the Islanders played Tampa. It wouldn't have been good. I was a a wreck. That game four, when Pollock made that diving save, I was like, I think my hair, like almost all of my hair fell out. Like I had to go to my barber the next day to be like, fix this. <laughs> I, I was not well. I was not well. Uh, okay. All right. So that was our, ret- I guess our return episode back. Um, we're going to definitely try to get back to doing this once a week. You know, it's been a crazy, I guess, new year. It's been pretty wild on both ends. There was COVID, and there was moving, and and uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff. You know, just life. Just a lot of life happening. So, um, we're gonna definitely try to get back to our you know once a week show. We're about a month away, a little over a month away from the playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs. Are you kidding me? We're about a month away from that. You know, we always do our you know our conference previews. You'll get those as the days move along. Nicholas, anything you'd like to say before we wrap up? Nope, just uh, echoing what you said. Just kind of continue to follow us along. Now that we got trade deadlines here, we get to figure out which of these deals actually made it, uh, which of these deals turned out to be busts. Congrats to Claude Giroux. Already has a new point with his team, so that's sick. Of course he did. Play with Alex Barkoff. Oh, by the way, the Bruins <laughs> traded for Hampus Lindholm. We just completely like rolled over that. The Bruins got Hampus Lindholm for, and they signed him to an eight-year extension. So, great move by the Bruins. Forgot to bring that up. He's awesome. The Ducks got a haul. Good for them. Um, yeah, Hampus Lindholm's a Bruin. So, shout out to me for forgetting to bring that up. Hey, it's our, it's our first episode back, man. We knew it wasn't going to be perfect. Um, yeah, I'm just shaking off the cobwebs. Shaking off the cobwebs. All right, everybody. Go enjoy some college basketball this weekend, but more importantly, enjoy some hockey. Again, a month away from the playoffs. I'm Eric. He's Nick. We're your top pair. We'll see you. Enjoy yourself.